0: Top five Welsh people, Grant Thomas is up there, big G, Uh, you know, domestic for many years and paved his own way and managed to win the tour and other big things. Uh, Tom Jones, I've always been a big Tom Jones fan, was supposed to go and see him a couple of years ago at Carlisle, but I ended up having COVID and didn't go, which broke my heart. Um, On a weekly, uh, daily basis, I will have a good Tom Jones singing session which I am actually a very gifted singer, um, which might sound a bit big-headed of me, but I have been called the songbird of my generation. So the only thing that annoys me ever so slightly with my jingle for the podcast is that it sounds like I can't sing, uh, because I recorded that when I had a cold and I was just talking, whereas I can sing. I'm actually a good singer. Um, I'll maybe record a song for you one week, just to prove this. So Grant Thomas, Tom Jones... Uh, Tanny Gray-Thompson, another fantastic Welsh person, done a lot uh, for the uh, the country, a lot for disability sport, uh, a hero to, to many, many people. Um, <clears throat> Gary House is included. Um, I don't know if he is actually Welsh, but he does live in Wales. He's just a delightful man and he's very funny. Um, <clears throat> spoke to him. Via Instagram, then uh, met him while he was running my round, the uh, Abraham's tea room round. Went and met up with him, and Hector, my dog, just harassed him for a couple of hours before I eventually left them. And then it's probably a toss-up <clears throat> for my next one between Shirley Bassey, Gareth Bale, Ryan Giggs. Um, all for obvious reasons, really. Colin Jackson as well. He's a, he's a good one. Gareth Thomas, he knows a lot for for rugby um one of the first rugby players to come out as as gay, which you know, is a very bold move for in a masculine sport and that to come out. So a lot of admiration for a lot of Welsh people. Um <clears throat> I don't know the official words for the Welsh anthem National Anthem, but I, I can sing it. Um I could maybe sing that for you now to prove that I can sing. I do apologise if I insult any Welsh people by singing this, but uh, my Welsh is quite limited to road signs, so I know "dim parkio dros nos, safel picnic, araf." I think singing the whole Welsh national anthem on my own without knowing the language would be quite hard, um, but this is uh, the, the words that I know.
1: My hen laid a haddock on top of a tree, Glad bugs and centurions through dogs in the sea. My guru asked Elvis, and Brandish, dance flan, muddy bogs blocked up with sand. Nan, Nan, why don't you
2: about other things too. So please come and join us. We oh, hope you'll enjoy, enjoy this. This. this is On the Back Foot. Hello and welcome
3: to another episode of On the Back Foot. Today we've got a very special guest as you might have gathered from the intro he does come from Wales. Um, Before we get to that, I thought I'd just do a little introduction. We might even have some new listeners dropping in, so they might be thinking, what on earth is going on? So, my name is Charlie Baker. I am a runner from Devon. Originally, I was born and raised on the mean streets of Brixham, not Brixton, which is a lovely little seaside town with a stunning harbour and international fish market. I moved my way up to Sheffield, I used to have Fridays off where I used to attend yoga class and after yoga I would mooch along to possibly the best running shop I've ever been to, Frontrunner and at Frontrunner there was a character by which we know as the Lord of Totley, those who know will know, there was another lovely fellow there called Alistair Wood who was actually a presenter on this podcast long before I got ideas above my station and went solo. From there, I began running with the Lord and, um, and his dog, Skip, who has a very special place in my heart. And I eventually joined Totley Athletic Club. Totley Athletic Club are a road and fell club, so you can do whatever you like if you run for Totley. Our membership is a bargain £15 and our green vest is possibly one of the finest vests you have seen. I pretty much love it because it just happens to be the colours of the flag of Devon. So from there, I switched my interests from the road and I have began to run much more on the fells. I was introduced through a very influential friend of mine, Dave Archer, to another influential friend, Daniel Howarth, and uh, gained great contacts within the fell running world, which has helped me to make this podcast. I like to think of this podcast as more like a radio show. Um, I bring my little bit to it, where I talk about my current preparation for the Bob Graham Challenge,
4: I don't
2: know why I'm
3: calling it the Bob Graham Challenge. It's definitely a challenge. I think it's actually called the Bob Graham Round. So I'll stop um, traditionalists uh, squirming in their seats, getting angry at my use of language. And um, if that's the bit I bring, I call that on the Bobfoot. And I love to bore you to death with my training diary. We then have people bringing in their contributions, food ideas, race reports... local lingo, and sometimes they suggest guests and are put through a song or two. As it is sort of like a radio show, you won't know what I look like, but I can just tell you, you can imagine the finer traits, um, the finer attributes of maybe Jason Statham and Ryan Gosling, combine them, make them a little bit taller, and you've got me, your lovely host I'll start with on the Bobfoot and with the weekly stats. So it was a little bit of a lighter week for me. I ran a total of 39 miles in the time of 7 hours and 20 minutes. And I ascended 5,915 feet, which is 1,803 meters in elevation. To quickly take you through the week, i the week began on a Monday with a good chat with my coach my coach is Billy Cartwright who is also a rather handsome devil and uh, an excellent runner we discussed that I'd had what I felt was a slightly disappointing uh, performance at the local Tigger Tor fell race where I'd just been a couple of minutes down on my run last year Um, and I felt that maybe I had been a little bit tired Uh, throughout the month of January. Uh, It seemed to be that I was probably trying too hard to hit everything on the schedule, whilst I wasn't quite recovering in between. Um, And I was getting a few aches and pains here and there, and they were probably preying on my mind when I was going out to run. So, being a good coach, he said, well, let's just back off. And that began by a 34-minute run up and down... um, the riverside near where I live nice and easy and that's a great start to the week for me. The next day again very similar it was 37 minutes this week on a similar route. I went to the gym that night where I did some um, weighted exercises so I was using a barbell um, and the day after I uh, took a little 58 minute run, up the hill in Carver, where I live, and back down. All of these at an easy effort, so I wasn't uh, breathing hard and just tapping away. Then it was an hour's run the day after, with my good friend Rob Greenwood having a good old chat. I actually almost made that one on time, and love that Thursday morning run. That's my little bit of social. Rob runs for Dark Peak, my bitter rivals. Hi, guys. Um, And yes, he was in fine fettle too on that morning and treated me to some lovely toast afterwards. On Friday, it was another little poodle up and down the river, but this time followed with six flat strides. Um, I felt really good on those. So my body was feeling like it was gradually recovering over the weekend I did some exercises at home with the kettlebell. Um, So I've been asked by uh, a young buck at Totley athletic club named Ben, whether I can provide a bit more detail on the training. So the kettlebell session at home was three lots of six um, Romanian deadlifts, or some people call them single leg arabes, with a 12 kg kettlebell. I was doing some incline dips so my heel was raised as I did a single leg dip, I did three lots of five of them and I also did three lots of eight kettlebell again calf raises with my heel lower than my toes, so eccentric. Uh, That all felt good, Uh, I went for a nice hike in the afternoon and to watch Jenny Stevens do her talk after completing the spine. She was very entertaining and also says she will put us together a little report for the on the backfoot fans that she's acquired. So you can look forward to that in one of the fell running news coming up soon. The knee was still feeling good the next day, so this uh, recovery week seems to have worked nicely. I went to Chrome Hill and Packhouse Hill over near Earl Sterndale. Lovely routes, very windy, almost getting blown off and um, but staying on the hills, and the same again on Saturday. So I was 55 hours out, and on Sunday I was out for just under two hours, heading up over Jacob's Ladder um, in Edel through the packs and back down into the village for a lovely roast beef sandwich with some stunning roast potatoes. So it was a grand week. Uh, as you can tell, the actual volume of the week was quite similar to last week. Um, but the intensity was a lot less which has freshened my legs and left me in a more positive way going into this week Um, there are many ways that you can freshen yourself up Um, and yeah dropping intensity is a good one so I've been helped out this week by my coach and my next guest on the podcast is a coach himself it is Gary House I uh, had been watching some of his funny videos on Instagram and I thought he'd be the perfect person to come on on the back foot. I think he's got the right sort of sense of humour. But actually I also found him to be an incredibly kind and knowledgeable chap. Really enjoyed the chat that we had. Um, I enjoyed his interesting story about how he became a coach, a few of his opinions on things to do with running And also he rounded it off with a lovely story about his experiences on the start line. Um, We begin the chat with Gary responding to my compliment over his lovely glasses and uh, just get on into it.
5: Yeah, I don't need them now, actually. It's like if I'm speaking to you, but I've just been working and that's when I need them, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, sat on the laptop, it just strains my
3: eyes more than anything. Yeah, I I can't get on with contacts. So like I just run tiny little bit blind when I'm out on the fells, which is obviously, you know, what you need to do, isn't it? Yeah, just take away... A little bit of your your wits and uh <laughs> yeah
5: you can have too much focus can't you I think yeah exactly <laughs> like I put these on this morning and I'm like oh, man, is that what everything's meant to look like so <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just in my, like the depth kind of isn't there just yet so
3: yeah yeah I probably should I probably should sort of say out because like you've you've only responded to emails I don't know if you'll have even listened to the podcast or or not and I wouldn't mind if you hadn't I mean I just generally have a bit of a A rambling chat and
5: yeah I've heard a couple um couple of the interviews not for a while I kind of fell out of love of listening to running podcasts if I'm honest yeah (laughs) um yeah but it's not that it's not for any other reason it's just I'm just that in like I work in running kind of thing so I'll often listen to a cycling or a golf or some other podcast whereas everyone else is obviously usually taking a break from their own work so they listen to
3: running podcasts yeah yeah, but yeah. Yeah, it can be a it can be just a bit too much of one thing, can't it? If that's lots of just exhausted, a lot of them being on them
5: or yeah, did the odd one did did them for myself, just mainly to have conversations with people, probably like yourself, more than anything. Yeah, but it wasn't like I wasn't trying to take over podcasting or anything. It was more just because I quite like having the conversations.
2: <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah, it's good fun. Are you are you doing all right yourself at the minute?
5: Uh. Depends what you mean. Workwise, yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah, the back problem is a bit of an issue, but uh, okay. But yeah, what can, what can you do?
3: Yeah, <laughs> is it is it making a little bit of progress or is it? Uh, the-
5: so the pain, I don't know how much you saw, or have seen, or whatever. It- I've seen
3: little bits of you on crutches on Instagram. I was a bit gutted because I mainly I know about you from like your funny videos. So I was like, oh no, he's having some shit times with his. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like, I've been
5: running like 15 years plus now and I don't really I've not struggled with typical overuse injuries or anything like that they've been in yeah. back ones or in a race that I've kind of gone too far in that kind of thing but yeah this is the first one that's really been long term and it started almost last well it was the end of last summer for, for a yeah. race um I was out in Andorra for a race and what I thought were, well what my our, my physio kind of thought was like an SI joint lower back issue. Yeah. Uh, turned out that it was, it was a herniated disc. Either it was fully herniated then or it was getting there. So I had yeah. a couple of months of rehab and getting back to it and got got back a couple of times, but then we had a little bit of a setback. Oh. Anyway, before Christmas, uh, it flared up enough for me to have, like my. I just had a bit of a limp, if I'm honest. Yeah. Um, again, eased off. A week later, I had some physio and then two weeks ago today actually is when i woke up woke up in bed couldn't move my leg felt like it was on fire stuck in bed for like 90 minutes oh, like no. desperate for piss and uh ended up in ae and yeah what had happened is and even then they sent me away with some painkillers and it was yeah. only a week ago today that i went to see a new specialist spine physio that saw some red flags basically my calf muscle that is just not non-existent in terms of working uh so what's happened is there's a disc herniation, but it's also part of, part of it's broken off. It's pushing on the specific nerve that controls the calf and the big toe. Yeah. Um, where I'm at with it is, it actually. Hope ideally it would get better over time on its own. Now mm-hmm. I know what it is, and it's resting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it may not, and I've yeah, got, and then I, like I was about ten minutes away from taking surgery a week ago, but. We've decided to give it three or four weeks because the pain's subsiding. I can move around and do my... Oh, brilliant. Um, it's just that I've got no function in my calf. <laughs> so three or four weeks, if there's a little bit of a glimmer of it working again, we might push on. If not, the surgeon will go, do you want surgery or not?
3: Yeah, because when bits break off, the body can absorb it sometimes, can't okay. it?
5: Yeah. So it's, whether, it's whether once that bit either gets absorbed or hopefully disappears... Do I get function back in the car or yeah. not? To a certain degree, uh, so it's a bit of a waiting game. But see what happens. Yeah, oh, that's pretty savage.
3: Well, I hope it's a positive waiting game. Yeah, yeah,
5: yeah and it like, like I've heard positive things. I've heard yeah. things that haven't worked out too well. But at the same time, it's like yeah, I'd be quite happy if I just get out walking normally for now. <laughs> so, like, yeah. People saying oh, what races have you had to bend? And like honestly, I'm not positive. yeah oh man that is yeah okay well we we kind of know where i'm at now so yeah i can kind of crack on with uh whatever i need to do
3: yeah which some of that is just like sitting and waiting and letting the body heal isn't it that's also
5: certain degree yeah because there was a little bit of like i said we thought it was si joint pain inflammation and you can kind of rehab that while still doing a bit of running or i was doing some cycling but turns out that probably I needed complete rest for a certain amount of time so didn't help myself there but yeah
3: what can you do that happens definitely doesn't it and then also it's going to be tricky to do much running if your calf isn't firing properly either so yeah I mean that
5: I mean obviously that incident like yeah that uh, was uh, yeah that's that's forced my hand in terms of it needed proper investigation obviously and then it's the NRI that showed that up but yeah at the minute if you imagine, if I if I walk, which I can do, the calf doesn't work at all. Yeah. So you just kind of flat-footed hitting the floor. So yeah, I did that. I did go back to the physio yesterday. This specialist guy, and he's seen once. Like I've got better movement everywhere else. I've got Good. reduced pain everywhere else. So <laughs> that, that's that's in six days, right? So yeah, yeah. I'm confident that uh, it will come back. It just might be. A longish time, which is fine
3: yeah. as well. Oh, wicked. Um, yeah. I, I, yeah, really hope it does, mate. And, um,
5: Failing that, you'll see me on the crutches doing videos because I've, <laughs> I've made the bed now. I've got my, I've got to do it. <laughs> yeah.
3: yeah. Are you are you there? Like with your pad, your pad ready? Like, right? What comedy can I draw from? Yeah, this? I
5: mean, I've got I've already like I, I know what like some ideas that I can do, but like at the same time, it's like yeah, i have either been on strong painkillers or I've fallen behind with work? So yeah, just like you've probably seen, from, the content hasn't been as well it's probably used to be but I've just yeah I'm not up for going out and shooting like (laughs) takes me an hour sometimes to shoot a video that'll edit down to a minute kind of thing so yeah I'll get there though from next week I'll be feeling
3: better I think. Well the video that the video that got me hook line and sinker the one that reeled me in the best was um when you introduced I mean I think I've been watching some of your videos before but the one where you had your garage gym um I just (laughs) 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 I just watched somebody who was doing a video about their running and funnily enough they had a garage gym and I was just looking I was like this gets my back because sometimes it's like we all see all these videos everyone's a like blooming professional athlete now and uh, (laughs) and your garage gym was just like yeah (laughs) your abs on that was I was gone I was yeah like
5: like some of those ones, if, if like I'll be honest, if, if someone would pay me enough to do just do those every day, it'd be, like like I'm sat there laughing as much as the next person. Yeah, obviously not everyone finds it funny, but I find it <laughs> funny, so that's why why I make it. Yeah,
3: <laughs> that's that's pretty much my uh, approach to podcasting. I started doing this weekly, and I'm like, I'm sure I'm losing listeners because it's <laughs> like people probably come for the big guests but I'm getting people sending me stuff about what they eat when they're on the moors. We've got a section called munching on the moors now. Yeah. And like, I mean, that could sound like it's about something else, but like <laughs> that's, there's a guy and he's just sending me like what he's having in his wraps. And one time he was having like tuna and jalapeno and he was out running. And I was just like, well, what, what <laughs> on earth is that? But it's really <laughs> nice to hear that <laughs> someone's doing stuff like that. It's just brilliant. Um, yeah. And yeah, I think it's like,
5: yeah. like a safe space for runners. If like, <laughs> because, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. He feels like he's not going to be sharing that with too many people.
3: <laughs> yeah, and some of your running, like you say, you've been running a lot over the last fifteen years. Is am I right in associating you with the dragon's back? Is that something that you've um had a good yeah, old run on?
5: I've done that twice. Yeah,
3: yeah.
5: Um, I've never had my best run at it. I'm not sure if anyone would say they had, but yeah, uh, the first time was 2019 yeah Mm -hmm. I kind of went into it just a bit naive I guess just not too organized didn't really have a plan in terms of day-to-day I was was, quite capable in the mountains and I'll get through it and that was the case but I kind of wish that I uh probably raced it a little bit more if that makes sense like I was the last person to leave the camp with like he's a good friend now Galen Reynolds who, who, who won it that year and everything it's like yeah I was leaving with him and I wasn't in his... I shouldn't have been. <laughs> so there's this odd time where I almost... I was like 30 minutes from missing a cut-off just because I left two hours late kind of thing and just dawdling around. So I'm not I'm not always the best organised in those things. But yeah, I just... The second time was... Yeah, I, I entered about a month before... No, six weeks before the start of it kind of thing. Um, I'm lucky it was supported, supported with Montaigne. So yeah, I could enter late and... It was mainly because my friend Simon was running it, running it again, kind of thing. So, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, great, great experiences, and if anything, it's like opened up. I've helped people through it now as well, and that's that's always like quite interesting as well because it's either, yeah, I forget that people put. I count myself lucky I've been in the mountains so many years I don't have to worry for those two years leading up to people kind of put into it and and it's big risk this big investment all that kind of stuff so
2: yeah
5: yeah it's it's almost quite it's more pressure me putting someone through it than than doing it myself yeah
3: whereabouts are you based then
5: where are you I'm in North Wales so okay I'm about 45 minutes from that day one, which is the they make all the great videos about kind of thing. That's all the good footage. Yeah. And then, then, yeah, then you've got four days of it looks like shit, if I'm honest. <laughs> I think they put all the good stuff on day one so they can make nice YouTube videos and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> They don't tell you about, like, the 20-mile
3: sections of tarmac on day four and things like this. <laughs> <laughs> no, they definitely don't. It all sounds like you're constantly up running the mountains and sounds amazing. Yeah. And, and then with your coaching, how long have you been coaching now, Gary? Uh,
5: over 10 years in some form of another. So I started off, I, I don't know how far you want to go back. If I yeah, go
3: for it. I mean, how did you get into coaching? What were you, were you, were you, what were you doing before that?
5: Uh, do you already know?
3: Not really, no. I haven't done my research, Gary.
5: No that's, no, that's a good thing. It's just sometimes people try and set me up for that question. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> I've gone from... Living in North Wales, moved to Manchester trying to make it as a hairdresser. Okay, trying to make it, it was just <laughs> I had a load of dead end jobs and moved to kind of there because I met a guy that was starting out, um, some big salons and stuff. So, yeah, I was young, single, straight, it just made sense, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and I did enjoy it for a period of time, but what was happening was, uh, because I'd moved to Manchester didn't have no money, didn't have any friends. Uh, so I sta- that's when I started running, essentially. Mm-hmm. Couldn't have enough money to join the gym. And, uh, yeah, just kind of, as most people in their early 20s that find running, started to become a bit obsessed with it, if I'm honest. yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I was reading all the books, buying all the magazines, going on weird websites, as it was then. Mm-hmm. Forums and stuff, and just learning about it. So my running was improving, Mm -hmm. and I obviously had this other lifestyle of going out quite a lot. Yeah. And it and then I met a girl, and now my wife, kind of thing. So wasn't interested in going out as much. Yeah. And running became a thing, so had an opportunity to just like like ditch the hairdressing thing, um, and put a little bit of money into personal training, which is what Mm -hmm. I thought I'd do. Yeah, yeah. Because what I, what I, what I liked is just, like is like speaking to people, meeting people, like just the, the general kind of call it banter or whatever. People yeah. all day, personal training, exactly the same as hairdressing. Really, just walking around with a towel, either <laughs> either way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just a rolled up towel counting reps as a personal trainer, even though <laughs> they'll try and tell you otherwise. Um, it's not it's not rocket science. Uh so, so I was quite good at that quite quickly because I could build relationships. Yeah. Uh, um but obviously as a like a nine stone runner, I would attract mm-hmm. runners and yeah. lads in the gym that were big and rugby lads. And it worked quite well. So if you want to get big and massive, go and see my mate Rob, who's a rugby mm-hmm. player. And he would say, obviously if there's someone who wants to run their first marathon and wants sessions, go to me. Yeah. So it wasn't like I wanted planned to be a running coach or anything. I was just working in the gym. Uh, moved my business from the gym outside because again as a runner and running in the hills what I noticed is a lot of the people that were coming to me in the gym hated the gym yeah yeah so they want a typical pull and weight loss clients like over 30 maybe female kind of wanting to get a bit of confidence and want to get fit a little bit lost really nervous and anxious about the gym environment mm-hmm. uh, either that or people running their first time marathon. it's like what what can I do in the gym to help like, you, you've you've seen them like pounding the treadmill in the gym and in all honesty they could be outside a lot of the times yeah so yeah started this group and it was aimed at beginners runners really so I was taking everything that I'd learned in terms of the strength and conditioning and PT Mm -hmm. I'd gone on all these biomechanics courses and ended up doing all the vivo barefoot stuff and all that stuff. Yeah. But rather than apply it to what I'd call like normal club runners. Yeah. So if I go into there and say, you're doing it, not doing it wrong, but like, let's work on some strength, let's work on some basics. It didn't really work as a business. Yeah. They just want to go to club sessions, which is great for most people. But what I was helping people with is more the, yeah, how do you go from zero to one kind of thing, yeah? Yeah. Like a lot of the people that would come to my sessions, I'd have to go and have a conversation with them in the car, in the car park, just to get them to join the group. So it was a running club. It was like, I had a tagline at one stage, it was like, it's a running club, but we don't do any running. Because, <laughs> like, you don't need to go and pay me to go for a run. Yeah. They were paying me just, like, everyone was in the same boat. I'd teach them some basic strengths, some movement, some techniques. Mm -hmm. And then through the week, and then on a Saturday morning, we'd have a group run kind of thing, yeah? Yeah. And this was before Parkrun, so Parkrun started kicking in. and It was great. Your business plan? Yeah, they all fucked off to Parkrun. I didn't have to get up (laughs) on Saturday. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) No, it's not. It's your podcast, Shouldn't are that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> so uh, so you get the idea, right? It was setting people up for that. Yeah. Um, what happened is, like, this group started to, they all became good friends and the business went quite well enough. It was like an outdoor boot camp for runners. And they started entering trail races or marathons or then ultra marathons and they were all growing. And then more beginners would come in. So we had about 80 members, um, like paying members year round. Uh, and that was what I did, basically. Yeah. Um. And it it was great. I loved it. Obviously, going through a few Welsh winters wasn't wasn't amazing, but still enjoyed the group training more than I did in the gym. And then yeah. a little bit of a mixture of like my own results back then were okay. Yeah, just average, but did all right. People would ask me for training plan. Yeah. Yeah. That's how my run. Training, uh, run, coaching business properly started, I guess, in I terms of coaching people. I turned people down for the first couple of times. Then I did one person just as like a favour, Yeah, not charging. Then the yeah. first person I really took through was quite important, a guy called Nigel. Um, mm-hmm. He was turning 50. He wanted to run 50 miles when he was 50, he was going from zero. He turned up to his first session with me, pants falling down kind of thing. He spent 20, 30 years as a driving instructor. He, he doesn't mind me saying all this, yeah? yeah, completely unfit. And within within that first year, he did the Lakeland 50, yeah. So, yeah. so it was a little bit of – we helped each other out, to be fair, because um, – he was big into, uh, he was changing his life around from off the back of, you know, that The Chimp paradox. Yeah, yeah. Done lots of work with Steve Peters and he still does work with him now kind of thing. He's, he's deep into all that world. So his mindset and everything was, he needs to do X, Y, Z to get me to this 50 miles. Yeah. Um. And through my racing and through my experiences in running, i would had different things that had happened, but. I could explain them in like a physical sense, but he could explain. Mm-hmm. He'd point things out. Well, he did that in that race because of X, Y, and Z, and it would be chimp paradox
3: stuff. Yeah.
2: yeah,
5: like I've read that book, and it doesn't compute with me very well because I've struggled with it too. I'm just a different way of thinking. Whereas mm. if you speak to Nigel, and it's completely t- transformed him, his life, his business, that kind of thing. So I know it works. It just you need to be it's a different way of learning to me yeah I'm, I'm just do things to be honest and then learn off the back of it so it was interesting he was my first person like to say my first kind of success yeah by the time Nigel had done that I had five people and then five turned into ten and then then it was like oh well okay some people don't need as intense coaching as the traditional Way of doing it, I thought. Yeah, you know, like checking in every day and checking mm. the training because we am only running three or four times a week, and I just want some support more than anything. Uh, so I kind of did my coaching a little bit different, so I could just help a few more people. And I know mm. there's obviously lots of coaches that will have ten, maybe up to twenty maximum people. Yeah, and work with them quite intensely. Yeah, but I just found that if I want to help more people, maybe they just want support and stuff. The mm-hmm. training looks after itself. If given, if, if they're only doing three sessions a week, yeah, I don't need to be checking in them in them every single day to see if they've done their run. What mm-hmm. they need to do, right? like, um, more like a we have a group call where they catch up with each other, that kind of thing, right? Yeah, yeah. So anyway, that's how. What ended up happening is I was online coaching more, and. Mm-hmm. Doing the group sessions a little bit less because I thought this is gonna work out lovely. It'll be like a fifty-fifty split. At about that time, um, the first lockdown kind of came in. So it kind of forced my hand from that and we kept the group running as long as we could. Yeah, physically could, in terms of calls, mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Still that point where you wake up one day, it's like I'm a I'm a self-employed running coach and no one's allowed outside the house. <laughs> Yeah. Luckily, such a good group, not one, if anything, my group started to grow, which was very strange because nobody dropped off in terms of the, phys- the physical group. Because of what I started, I just jumped into doing Zoom sessions, hmm. doing mindset stuff. We did some meditation stuff. We hired a lady that I knew through Pilates, doing Pilates once a week. I mean, you, you remember what it was like doing yeah. great I've never done Pilates I'm sat in the bloody garage at God knows what time, doing it with 30 people there. And that was my running coaching then. Uh anyway, fast forward. That made me hundred percent online coach, and it's that's what it's been
3: since.
2: Okay. Can't oh, okay. What
5: you asked me, But that's <laughs> that's journey as in how long have you have been coaching. Yeah. No, it's really
3: nice because it's 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 um I like it when it's just a uh, – you Fell into it is maybe to an easier way, but it it just sort of it just went from one thing to one thing to one thing. And like I think, what have you got in terms of followers on Instagram now? It's 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 quite a a decent amount, isn't it? And I think some people might be like, oh, well, how did he plan this to go from this to this? And you get so many people selling you. This is how you've got to do things. So I like a, a nice sort of linear story where someone actually just piece by piece just just went from one thing to the next. I've got a couple of questions that I was thinking <laughs> as he was talking. So not, was it Nigel was your first chance? I, to... yeah, first proper, I'd say first proper client. Like We had a plan and everything, yeah. And you said before, Nigel, you were kind of turning people down. What was what was that? Was that like you were thinking you weren't ready to coach people or you just didn't like them? Or...
5: <laughs> no, they were only people that were within the group already. Okay. <laughs> So you know like when I said I had the physical group coaching yeah started entering races and they wanted to pay me to write them a plan and stuff and and uh yeah I just thought like I've these days it's different there's, and it's not a bad thing there's running coaches no. everywhere right but yeah. back then there wasn't I had an I had what you'd call an online running coach for for many years right mm. and I saw him as I learned so much from him and all that kind of stuff but outside of him, and I had one other friend that I knew that did it successfully, Robbie Britton, you've yeah. heard of. Like at the time, he was doing it online and he was doing all right. Um, outside of that, I didn't really know of anyone doing it successfully. So it's like, I, I, one, I thought I didn't have time to. I thought there wouldn't be enough people that want or need run coaching. Yeah. Probably a little bit of a confidence thing in terms of I've never. I thought I knew training and uh, enough to help that person, but Mm. do you really need it? So it's not like I sat there and go, I need to be a running coach to make X amount more money. It's just people want, I ended up doing it to help them and then it went well and and that's how it kind of started, to be honest. Um, It wasn't, I didn't want to, but (laughs) yeah, I just, I feel like I've gone from one thing to another quite, organically to a certain degree um the following on instagram i mean obviously it's there for my business it's it's but it was facebook before that yeah and in in the last 12 months it's skyrocketed to another level but i had i had a fantastic little coaching business when i had a thousand followers and i thought that was amazing
3: yeah yeah definitely i think organically that was the word yeah that's a that's what's nice about mm. the stuff that it it's like a poison no, it's like a double-edged sword sometimes
5: because if you happen to come across my content and stuff now which is great uh mm. a lot of people will see the amount of followers and the fact that i'm a run coach and i've I've experienced this they either a don't realize that i'm a running coach or <laughs> b sometimes assume i'm a running coach because of the following yeah so yeah. sometimes you'll see in my content now i like it's not from a point of being trying to be a big head I I put in my I've been coaching 10 years I've been doing this because because the yeah the coaching came first kind of thing the following just grew on the back of it
2: really
3: yeah for your talent for comedy videos but yeah and that that was it I was scrolling through them and I was like oh hang on a minute yeah some of these are serious so that actually oh I actually quite like the cut of his jib in the serious stuff as well so (laughs) yeah uh, I was looking forward to talking to you because I was thinking, oh, I can actually have a, a serious and a non-serious conversation with you, which would be You know what, it's, like, be it's perfect.
5: like on a we call list of long-form content, isn't it? I always yeah. say to people, if you want to learn about if if someone's a bit of a grifter or something, then have they done any long-form content? Have they had a conversation about running and training? And you can learn about them that way. It's very difficult to fake it in yeah. an hour. conversation with someone who knows what they're talking about like like yourself who's been in running for
3: should be fine with me, yeah. I'll do you
5: <laughs> know what I mean? Whereas yeah. any, like I can I could teach my nine year old daughter to be a running coach on Instagram because i just give her the script to make a sixty second video and kind of yeah. thing. So that isn't uh and I say that to people as well. Don't just take the fact that I've made videos on there, go and listen to some of my podcasts or YouTube or see if you mm-hmm. get on with my personality over an hour. And then, yes. and then come back to me. <laughs> <laughs>
3: well,
5: it saves, saves me doing those weird kind of one-to-one calls before they even start joining you anyway. <laughs> <So I> just, <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, definitely. Discovery,
5: discovery calls. Where, like, yeah, yeah, it's just a sales call. <laughs>
3: Do you get people now coming to you for coaching and then, like, you've given them a plan and you've given them, you know, like a serious uh, bit of you know, advice and listened to them and done all the things that you'll do as a coach. And then they're like, where's where's, where's the banter? I've signed up for that. (laughs) Signed up for you to rip the piss out of me. What's going on? (laughs) Well,
5: it's funny because behind the scenes, I say behind the scenes, but when people come for the coaching, like we've got this private group where everyone's in and uh, I do these group calls where everyone can just come in and and chat and whatever. And and yeah, it's like that they... some people stay because they quite openly say like, yeah, I stay because it's a good group or it's good banter and stuff like that, which to me is even, even better to a certain degree. I've got people that haven't ran for six months and not even injured, but they they get a lot out of it for whatever reason. Yeah. And so not saying that's everyone, but at the same time, yeah, if someone's, yeah, I do take the piss out of people, but at the same time (laughs) I can show empathy and I'm, kind of help people as well <laughs>
2: yeah
3: yeah yes <laughs> Over oh, have got their place yeah exactly. and, and on a serious uh one I guess one of, I so I I used to work as a physio uh, NHS and then I've worked in sport and then I've, I'm now working um for a running clinic in Sheffield and oh. I'm also doing my own private little practice and we were doing a talk the other night, me and the uh, lady who runs the clinic in Sheffield. And there's a good group of runners in Sheffield and they train really well. They train on a Tuesday night together. They run fast. And then one of them was like, we're seeing the pro athletes now in the gym. They're putting big weights on their backs. They're looking like Adonis with that kind of stuff going on. And I feel like, I'm going to use your coaching brain and your experience here just to get your opinion. Um, You know, one thing I kind of see that I think is tough is let's, let's make up a runner, but she's got a full-time job. She's got two kids. She runs socially. That's her social life. And now she's been told or he, that they've got to do S and C on top of it. Mm. Like that is very much what I'm seeing out there being influenced almost and like you say you had people coming you, to you in the gym it's like how is that one i mean maybe you've got a a, a number of approaches but if you've got someone a runner's going to see that stuff now and go all right i've got to get a gym pass as well as my uh my 170 pound carbon shoes as well um (laughs) and find two hours a week to go lift heavy and you know it just feels like there's information overload almost isn't there and I think some of your videos your jokey ones too are trying to cut through that like cheat code for hills run up some hills (laughs) yeah I mean uh, people
5: that know me especially the ones that coached by me and everything will know what I like a, a supporter for strength training, I am like that's the mm. bottom line, but also you've got to live in the real world as well, so what I'm hopefully good at, and what lots of coaches are good at, and whether you're a physio whether you're a strength coach mm. whatever um you, yeah mo- well, the good ones realize that it's always individualized right yeah so sometimes there's a bit of i think there's a bit of a miscommunication, and it's sometimes it's no one's fault, so if, if you're following. If You're following on social media a group of, let's say, early 20, not many, not kind of too much responsibility, yeah, kind of thing, yeah, um, running very well, whether they're elite, sub elite, sub sub elite, whatever people call them, mm. these. yeah, <laughs> but seem to be running full time where they might just have a job in the city or whatever, <laughs> yeah, um, if you're following those people, but you're maybe uh, like in the thirties or forties and you've got responsibilities and you haven't got the same kind of time or you've got different demands in terms of your body kind of thing. Yeah. Like a, it's just different. Yeah. So you Mm -hmm. can't put yourself under the same pressures. What doesn't change is like principles of strength training and all that kind of stuff. So sometimes it's just finding the right information from the right person, the right coach or the right kind of person giving you the information will understand that yes it, it ideally like a, a physio of mine used to say um you have to be let me get this right fit to run rather than run to get fit yeah yeah so, so yeah if you so you've got to have you've got to have that capacity in in your body to run what you want to run mm-hmm. if it's three sessions a week and your body's not niggling away and you've, you're absolutely fine. For a certain amount of time, you probably don't need any strength training, yeah. Yeah. But the other side of things is, people always try and sell it to people on the fact that it's injury prevent prevention. And you might know more than me on this, but yeah, I come from the point of view: if you're going to do strength training, it's more like a performance thing, right? Yeah, performance gains. Call it than anything, yeah. And that means as long as you're specific with it you don't have to go to a you don't have to join a gym for a start. You don't yeah. have to you can manipulate um reps and sets and power and all that kind of stuff in in a good way so that you can get the benefit at home mm. 20 minutes a couple of times a week. Right. Yeah. If you can't do that, if you really can't do that, then you just have to work within your own limitations. You know when you're not, because yeah. you'll pick up overuse stuff usually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know if that answers the question, but I just think, yes, it's it's not through lack of information, is it, anymore? It's just almost too much information. And, like, yeah, when I was in my early 20s and I was just learning training principles, I didn't do Mm. any strength training, not really, Um, Mm -hmm. whereas, like, now I'm 40 and before the back injury, yeah, I, I don't enjoy going to the gym or whatever and but. Yeah, I f- I see it as a benefit long term, but again, too, Yeah, again, it's kind of I have to fit it into into what I want to get out of my running, but also I've always yeah. got the back of my mind. I just want to be, I want to be strong and healthy when I'm sixty plus kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Completely.
3: I think it wants to complement what you're doing. I think, you know, there was there was a bit in what you were saying there and it's like injury prevention. It's being sold as injury prevention. Yeah. And I think what's tough about that for people is they're then, well, if I don't do my strength and conditioning, if I'm not squatting heavy or whatever, then I can't get out and run. And it's like, well, actually, it's another load on the body, isn't it? And actually, if like you say they're trying to squeeze it in. Two other stuff that's got going i'm hearing this sometimes anyway i'm not saying this is the answer for everybody but if they're sometimes squeezing it into what they're already doing it can be like well actually almost what you're doing in the gym isn't injury prevention it's putting a bit more fatigue into your system and you might worth talking to someone and do i need to back off it a little bit as well isn't it
5: a lot of people are coming to, coming to running later in life now. I say later in life, like I'm talking yeah. late twenties or thirties or something. It's not like mm-hmm. but some people have never stepped foot in a gym. Some people have not done it for ten plus years. And like you say, then, and I've been guilty of it too. Saying for strength, if you want to be specific, you you need to mm-hmm. have lower rep ranges and and higher mm-hmm. weight relative to that kind of thing, right? So. But all of a sudden there's a, again there's that it that can scare people off. It's like, well yeah. okay, where we, again, it's like not going from one to one out to ten in terms of your strength training. It might be well like level two to three, three to four, that kind of thing. Yeah. Mm. Can, do you, can, you, can you do a squat? Dunno, kind kind of thing, yeah. Um doesn't have to be a full squat can you do a half squat can you do a box squat can you do a split squat there's all these different questions and yes I know it can get very complicated very quick but yeah it might be someone it might my usual advice is like you're you're a physio like physios Mm -hmm. I the ones I speak to the good ones love nothing more than someone to book in with them that haven't got an injury yeah and you have a conversation about maybe what can i do for 30 minutes twice a week and then i'll come back and see you in a month she yeah Yeah. it doesn't have to be again as a cost involved but you might not see that physio for three months maybe i don't know usually i say just go in yeah even if you just go and learn movements from a good personal trainer for an hour yeah if you explain to them look um, my budget doesn't extend to me doing your three times a week package right now but can can you give me some good information in an hour or 90 minutes that I can go away with for six weeks most of them will say yes yeah. the good ones will or good physio will love that
3: and I, I think like that's a really you know if, if anyone was going to take anything from our little chat there it is that maybe like it should be individual if you don't feel you've got or you're a little bit uncertain to, in in putting your own individual plan together, find someone you trust who knows what they're doing. And like you say, it might be the smallest amount of help from them. It might be once every three months. It might be something like that. But rather than like, yeah, I've got to do whatever I see o- online. And then yeah. actually finding yourself lost or six months later feeling like, yeah, I've got really good at squats, but my running doesn't feel like it's getting better. Well, it's, the thing is, again, on,
5: not to bore you with social media, but who who posts the most on social media? It's either people that rely on it for basically their income in terms of, like, me because it affects my mm. business. Like, I'm not on there for a laugh. I mean, I am, but, yeah, I only started on social media to promote myself. Like, people have a moan if yeah. they think I'm doing an advert or something. It's like every single video you've ever seen of me is an advert. It's just that I'm, it's for me. Yeah. yeah? So yeah. it's it's either those people or people that almost, they've got too much time on their hands It's a bit of a vanity project, right? They're the ones that you see the most. But the people consuming it are usually the people avoiding work or having a a shit or something, yeah? So they're usually the the time-poor people. So again, there's there's such a disconnect there. Everyone that's got no time watching, everyone that's got loads of time going, I need to do (laughs) X, Y, and Z.
3: (laughs) Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah, that sums up I think that sums it up really
1: well. well that isn't like a free
5: it. pass for everyone not to do their strength training because if you've got an opportunity, <laughs> if it's twenty minutes a week, do twenty minutes a week because it will it will help. Even if it's for performance, not for injury prevention. And you can do it at home, like microdose it, yeah. A Couple of calf raises, holding something when you're boiling the kettle, that kind of stuff. It doesn't have to be, yeah, doing you one rep max in the gym. <laughs>
2: yeah.
3: No, I love it. That's really, no, that's really cool. <laughs> I like it. I think, I think you, you're, you know, you got an eye for cutting through stuff. Do you ever with the Instagram, do you get a, any backlash sometimes to some of your videos? I think like, yeah,
5: I sometimes. wouldn't say
3: a confrontational, but.
5: <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I try my best not to, I, I don't like to go in and let's call it personally. If it's a person, it's never personal, even if there's someone featured yeah. it. Right. Kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Because you've seen the ones like the guys in the garage, like that guy's got over a million views and he sent me a message. Absolutely loving it kind of thing. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. It's not like I I was almost joining in with it, wasn't I? A couple of them don't like it sometimes, but I'm of the view of if you put yourself on Instagram and it's a certain kind of video, then I'm not really it's not not a personal thing. It's because I've seen that video probably 20 times Kind of thing. I, and it, if it's not offering too much value to someone, I'm, maybe I'll take the mic. Right. Yeah. So, but in terms of, yeah, it's never, if it's someone's opinion, then yeah, I'm, I just, I let it fly kind of thing. Yeah. I'm, sure, I, I'm not always right. There's, I've got views now that were different a couple of years ago kind of thing in terms of training, in terms of,
2: yeah. Di-
5: products and the way I coach and all that kind of stuff right so yeah if you see sometimes you'll see me either taking the mick out of a concept or yeah products and things like this so the only backlash I'll quite happily I'll quite happily discuss it in the comments yeah I I don't like it if someone just does it privately because I yeah yeah because I'm quite happy that I'll back it up, rightly or wrongly, in the comments. <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah.
5: And, it's, and like I say, it, sometimes it may look personal. It's not it's just running at the end of the day. I have this if I have this conversation with people that like, I was at the running show the other week and I had the same question put to me. And I was just like, oh, hmm. if we were all sat around here now having, this converse, having the conversation that we had online about because I might disagree that phone rolling is much use, compared to that, yeah. yeah it wouldn't be it wouldn't be an angry conversation you don't have to get your back up about it it's just running so I'm not talking about politics or religion or <laughs> or, or, or other stuff it's just yeah, it's yeah. running yeah take my opinion don't take my opinion but I don't I, yeah enough people seem to enjoy
3: it that I don't mind to be honest yeah no I think I think you're right and Yeah, I occasionally do use a foam roller and quite enjoy it, but it's not something I'm going to get. So I
5: don't, people get stuck on me calling out foam rollers. It happens. (laughs) It keeps following me around. But so it all started because, like, I will say it doesn't do certain things that you might think it does. Yeah. Like, I'm not, you're not lengthening muscles with it permanently, that kind of thing. Yeah. Or it's very, like, you're not lengthening an IT band with it, that kind of thing. You might be better spending 20 minutes doing some, hip and glute body weight stuff i don't know yeah, yeah. it's always a it's a it, you might be better off doing this but all people hear is ah, I, yeah phone rolling's bad and i should never do it it's like, at the end of the day it doesn't matter to me whether you're roll, dry humping the floor with it or not it's just like, <laughs> i just want everyone to win with
3: running it's not
5: it's yeah, yeah, yeah. telling you to use it
3: <laughs> and it, it's just not top of your list coming back to like the uh the, the time start people yeah, it's yeah exactly, and yeah, all that kind of stuff. I'll never say
5: never, to be honest, because if it makes you feel good and you think that it's doing you some good, happy days to a certain degree, yeah, yeah. But yeah, your experience isn't mo- too much of an argument compared to yeah
3: the actual facts. Sometimes, <laughs> do you um, have many runners? Because mo- mostly in how I. Uh, podcast has lent towards fell running yeah do you have many people that you coach in the fell running world
5: yeah more so like um I'll be honest like mainly because of the races I do I guess and my experiences I have a lot of ultra and trail and mountain runners Um, yeah but depending on location it's always like I'm Lots of them already either fell run or it's like, let's use fell running as a as a great tool for the training, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because I, I just know how good it is, to be honest. So I could give you a fancy uphill session or you could just go on a Tuesday evening and blow your ass off on the on fell. I don't need to know what your heart rate was. I don't need to know all that. I know what it feels like to run like that for 40 minutes. Happy days. Anything, <laughs> kind of yeah?
3: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, wicked. And they're happy because they've got a social, they've got a, a fun event out of it. Yeah. Yeah, oh.
5: yeah. and the, if I had ultra- a location that had more prominent foul running, I'd have done it, I, I'd be doing it more myself,
3: to be honest, so yeah. Yeah. In terms of ultra running, I think it feels to me like the ultra running scene is is picking up a bit of pace in Great Britain, like growing a little and getting bigger. whereas it feels we're probably behind, say, the United States where they seem to seem to love it. That might just be my, like, um, kind of outsider looking in. But do you think it's definitely taking off in, in Britain a bit more? And I think it is. That... Um,
5: it, I mean, it's obviously, Trailing ultras is growing. It is growing in terms of participation. It has done for years. When I speak to like, close friends that are race organisers and directors and have been for a long time, Uh, obviously the last couple of years in terms of entries have probably been challenging, I'd say, yeah. And there's smaller races getting eaten up and not surviving, and, and yeah, and numbers, I think they're coming back and stabilising, but it's not like, um, yeah, it's not the growth that people might think in terms of actual numbers at races, but... Again, races yes. diluted now, and yeah, other races are take bigger races, are co- bigger organisations are coming in. I think overall, lots of people are doing their own stuff, whether it be their own challenge. Like I've got lots of people now. This wasn't the case before lockdowns. Got lots of people that just want to, not necessarily an FKT, but they want mm. they've got their own challenge that we want to do. Their their own round or the rounds, all that kind of stuff. There's lots more people that want support just doing that because again, race entries, if it's trail and ultra versus fell running is obviously, yeah, a different, a different price bracket.
3: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I've got a friend who, um, he's sort of walked the Southwest coast path with his kid, which was pretty cool because yeah. his kid nice. was only seven when they started and they've done it in stages and it took them a couple of years. I was, was um, going
5: to say, how long off school was <laughs> <laughs> he?
3: managed to do it over weekends, which is really yeah. impressive. And, like, do you think sometimes ultra running could be more accessible for someone like that rather than going straight to the because he's not really a runner, he's more of a hiker? Mm. Do you think that sometimes for some people you can just make the jump from hiker to ultra runner almost because the pace is that little bit easier on you, isn't it? And I suppose like the hiking background for some people might make it a bit more of a natural. Yeah.
5: Yeah, depending on the race and the cutoffs. Um yeah, that the cutoffs is the main thing, but a lot of them like you say especially once you get into especially the mountains Like if let's take the extreme end I guess or the more extreme end like the dragons back for example every year yeah. people come in to me and they'll either send me an email saying I've signed up and I'm ready to go oh, I'm thinking about it, what do you think? Would you be able to help? That kind of thing. And I always say this, if it's someone that could be a sub-three-hour marathon runner um, but not that much experience in the hills, I'd much rather a someone who's been hiking around the hills all their life yeah, and never done any running, yeah. probably got... I wouldn't say a better chance, but they've got a great chance. I'm not too worried because I can. We can work on the running and the fitness side of things. That mountain craft is quite important. So even if it's just hiking on coastal paths, you've actually yeah. you've actually got a much. You, well, maybe not better, but you've got a great. You're, you're usually usually self aware. You're good at looking after yourself for long days. You're not too worried mm. about pace coming from a maybe a faster background to running slower. Um, a lot of your days out are spent on time and effort rather than pace and distance, all those kind of good things that add it up to a better starting point for an ultra runner, whether that be trail or mountain, compared to uh, someone who's just been thrashing the roads and not for fault of their own, quite find the transition a bit hard sometimes.
3: Yeah, I can definitely see that. And I guess one thing, like, because you would have started from the sounds of things, you would have started with people doing more like 5Ks, 10Ks, and then you've transitioned as a coach, am I right in thinking, to coaching more ultra runners? Is that. Yeah, well,
5: I've always been a, like, I don't, I've never, I've never coached anyone that wants to run a 5 or 10K, as in I won't take money okay. for that. Yeah. So it was only yeah. when people were starting to enter marathons and ultra marathons and trail marathons around in Wales and stuff that. I started writing plans for someone because up to that point it's like you run in three four times a week max that that group were for 5k 10k even a half marathon you don't need a coach yeah as in you don't need you're much better off just maybe reading the book picking some sessions if it's not going to be what you're doing with me and just go and do that yeah just be consistent yeah yeah, it never sat well with me charging for that whereas i think as soon yeah. as you get into the longer stuff or well, it's the hills there's so much more i can offer as a coach outside of the actual sessions that provide value if that makes sense yeah
3: yeah i'm not doing this as a big advert for you but you happy talking about what you would be offering in that because i find that quite interesting actually what you're because mm-hmm. you said sometime in in the lockdown you were doing some kind of meditation stuff and yeah is it mental preparation that you're doing with people as well as like the physical, and I guess kit is another big one, isn't it? In ultra,
5: oh, Christ, yeah. I mean, I, I, I put it this way: so w- when I started the business and everything, I moved it uh to doing outside and everything. I had no money and had about hundred pound left in my bank account, and I and I spent ninety seven pounds of that in a with a business mentor, right? But yeah. it, it someone I'd followed for a while, listened to. Podcasts when podcasts first came about, and it wasn't it wasn't necessarily so I could make money. It was just the workings of a business. I never ran my own business to a certain degree, but what I quickly realised it was all what you'd call you know like self development. So it was we were learning mindset, we were learning language, we were learning all this stuff outside of the nuts and bolts of running a business. Mm -hmm. So when it came to me running my own group of people, I kind of modeled it on what I'd done for years with him because we were in a group. We would jump on a group call, we would have a chat and do all this kind of thing, and it was that's kind of what I do now. So, so yeah, I don't do one to one calls. I know lots of coaches yeah. do I anything. Mean, I've just never done it. Like we're all this is just how I work. We're all adults. Does everyone want to be tied down to an hour with me every week? Kind of thing. Or do I do it as a drop-in? I can speak to more people and make it a bit more affordable. All those kind of things, right? So okay, cool, yeah, yeah. So what it turned into is, especially in lockdown, it was like a a support group <laughs> for want of a better yeah. word. I'm not a yeah. not a mindset coach or guru or anything. It was just like, well, a lot of us are in the same boat. It was just a connection and a, and a call it a community what I started to do is building more confidence in like doing guided meditation sometimes and, and and I don't do it too much, but I'd been taught it. And if someone tells me to meditate yeah. and empty my thoughts and can't lie there with, the, with your head empty, it's like, I'm the complete opposite. Yeah. I don't, I've never yeah. been able to do that. But when someone taught me about guided meditation is when you actually focus on one thing that mm-hmm. works. So we did that for a bit. And like I said, we did the Pilates and, I just like the coaching bit. If I wasn't a running coach, I'd, I'd still want to be involved in some kind of coaching, I think. Yeah. So it's a bit of a hybrid, yes, to answer your question. We do these calls once or twice a week, and I'm very rarely talking about the sessions that they've got. It's about the kit. It's about the, the food, what to eat. It mm. uh, might be strength training. It might be the dog. It might be the fact that a cat's walking across in the top it. It could be anything, if I'm honest. But yeah, it's very rarely about the sessions, to a certain degree. Yeah, which might sound odd as a running coach, but I think it's quite important a lot of the time to get to know the person that I'm talking. So, like for example, we've got one lady, Emma. She's come from like a like a strength training background, and she comes on. Mm. So you can always see the pot stirring. She's cooking away. Um. She might have a question, she might not, but she's always cooking. So I know from spending so much time watching her cook, I know what she eats. Yes. I know I <laughs> I know that I know what animals everyone has got. I know when they're busy, when they're not kind of thing, because I know if there's kids climbing on their head or whatever, or someone's sat there in their car because they're at football training. So even without knowing, I'm getting all this information about people, and that then helps me when I look at their plan on a Monday morning and
3: I'm planning the next four weeks for them. Yeah. yeah oh wicked okay, and uh I'm gonna get you a little polls are a funny one in Europe. everybody loves them in fell running well they're they're not they're not permitted on the Bob Graham if you wanna have a proper attempt yeah um what what but actually, I think in ultra running they're they're probably a bit of a, a useful tool, am I where where do you stand on on that one, and and do you think it's something that people almost need to learn how to use them as well It's like because you can you can be like putting them out in front of you, can't you? But you should be pushing through them. Have I got yeah. that right?
5: Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I've done videos. I've done workshops. I like I I I love using polls. Yeah, but yeah. in in the right circumstances, obviously sometimes. Uh, if a race doesn't if the race that you're in doesn't permit them for any for whatever reason then it's not even an argument yeah yeah so like fell racing for example and stuff like that uh yeah or in scotland obviously that you can't use them in trail running and things like that so but if the race that you're you're running is allows them number one and two you feel that there's going to be a significant percentage of a race where you might be walking. Yeah. It might be a good idea or hiking. Yeah. Not everyone mm-hmm. likes them, but if you've got a lot of elevation, that's why, obviously why do people like them outside of UK in the Alps and stuff? Well, yeah, because a lot of them will be up the mountains, hiking, racing in the summer, but during the winter, mm-hmm. they're usually on skis rather than running around. So they're, yeah. they're used to it. Yeah. And that using the polls usually is about is about rhythm and and, and that kind of thing. So you just just using them like you can go on fancy courses and spend the day learning to use it. But or you could just go out and use them. Yeah. And, and that's coming from someone who runs a workshop a few times a year to show yeah. people how to use them. But yeah, I, it's not based on any kind of c- certification. I just take them out on the hill and give them some do's and don'ts within an hour (laughs) Mm. rather than spending all day and then yeah go and go and use them is the main thing because there's certain things that will happen when you first start using them most of us if you're like me yeah you'll have zero upper body strength so when you pick up poles and start using them for the first time your heart rate will go bang and your muscles upstairs will go hang on a minute what's going on here and it makes you feel worse right so you have to condition yourself is number one Two, you kind of have to u- use it within the right effort level. So the key, the goal is to hopefully keep your legs a little bit fresher for later on in the race. It's not so that you can yeah. go that first climb twenty percent faster, <laughs> yeah, kind of thing. And so that's on the mental side of things, right? If you're in a, a race, it's going to take you forty-five minutes, unless it's a vertical VK kind of thing. Now, you're not going to need your poles, yeah, because yeah. 'Cause yeah, yeah, they're trying to get up the hill faster. But for most people in trail, especially over in the UK, you're just looking to save your legs. Yeah. And yeah. that kind of thing. Or you might you might be someone that's prone to like ankle stress kind of injuries or even knees and stuff, or you're not great going downhill. So if you're gonna be out for ten hours, maybe it's good to have some extra balance there along the way. Um but yeah. Get a pair, borrow a pair. Don't spend, don't go and spend 200 quid on Leckies just because you've seen me or some someone else use them. I've been using them for 10 years nearly. Yeah. And go out, borrow a pair, get a pair of hiking poles, very affordable. Get out, yeah. hiking, see if you can get on with them, see if you find your own rhythm, see if you don't chuck them in a the fucking bush on day one. And you should, put, you should be okay. Yeah. <laughs> The first time so you brilliant. go over a style and you're attached to this lecky poles kind of thing, because you spent your 200 quid and you realise, hang on a minute, I don't look like <laughs> François Aden or whatever. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's an
3: experience, yeah. so you just have to use them. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I, I'm aware of time. I think, like, <laughs> what what I'm also aware of is I feel like I've got a really funny guy on the podcast. L- losing half I-
5: your audience. Cause, <laughs> don't use this. Don't use that. No,
3: no, no. I, I, I think, like, I, I've, I've found you... Um, really interesting to listen to as a coach and I've I've thought you've you've answered all my questions in a really thorough and, and good way um mm. so you know I, I've really enjoyed that side of it For so the sort of the sillier side of things I mean are there are there experiences that you've had in your own um hill running and you know getting out there and doing daft things are there things that really stand out of the, the things you got yourself into or just yeah. sort of what's a classic <laughs> <No>. <laughs> don't want to go there Or <laughs> yeah. I,
5: again I, I again i keep saying it i i, I kind of count my blessings that social media wasn't really a thing when i got into running yeah so i had to learn by reading the books and having the subscription to Runners World before realising they're just rehashing the same shit every couple of months kind of thing. But that's how you yeah. get to a certain degree, right? Or you go in the forums to try and find a, an ultramarathon race. I still remember sending off the, the application form in like an envelope and stuff to enter a race, which sounds, yeah. makes me feel very old to a certain degree, but it wasn't that ago. <laughs> um, no. And you know what race websites are Like fifty percent of them are still shit, and and that's yeah. the UK. If you go into Europe, you need the d- degree just to find the date of the bloody race. Yeah, when yeah. <laughs> when, you, when you when it comes to mistakes and everything, yeah, everything that you see that I'm probably giving advice on, people telling them they're doing something, may call it wrong. It's because I've probably done it, and that's a cliche. But like, I've been the person yeah. that, like, like the. the, the I finished very well in a canal race once. It was the uh, mm-hmm. Liverpool to Leeds, hundred and thirty odd miles. Um, I, like I finished second place under twenty four hours. Yeah, I had yeah. I had a great run, and I went into another canal race, the Grand Union Canal Race, um, the, the following year, full of confidence to have a good run. It's not like I had grand aspirations or anything. Yeah. But in the in the weeks, uh, yeah, my training's always was at that point pretty solid because I was run commuting and just keeping it quite basic. Right. For whatever reason, I'd read I'd read a book or an article or something about how essentially, if I'm an ultra runner, I don't need carbohydrate and I just need fats and things like this i entered that forty-five mile race stood on the start line just with nuts and seeds in my pocket <laughs> yeah so I, I got to mile 50 <laughs> up, well. in about, <laughs> yeah got to mile 45 to 50 running well in the top five or something yeah and all of a sudden it was like someone had took the batteries out of me um i, went, I remember you know like at the at the uh on the canals you sometimes have little like a tuck shop, I guess, in in the wall of a of a canal yeah. kind of lock. I bought a can. I bought a can of Coke, two Mars bars, and something else I can't remember. Nailed them on the bench, and like obviously didn't know anything about nutrition back then. Obviously, from going like eight hours of just eating nuts and seeds, so then that I was like an <laughs> like a hypoglycemic crash. Th- I'd gone from running very well to thirty minutes later, I was curled up in someone's garden, throwing up all over their patio. Kind of thing, yeah. Because I just (laughs) stumbled into a bush, and that was my race over. And that was me, right? Okay, so right, let's not explore keto running more than that kind of thing, yeah. So again, that not social media, but that was my version of seeing a post online and taking that information and going, "Mm, that's a good idea, yeah. Mm. Um, there's been lots of instances to a certain degree like that, like yeah, I've, I've. started races I had no right to uh, kind of thing t- in terms of maybe injury or illness specifically yeah yeah no, just all sorts to be honest my, my first my first ultra marathon was the London to Brighton which doesn't run anymore but it's one of the it was one of the oldest established ones right most people yeah. over the age of 30 might remember it and um yeah, so being from North Wales, small town, I like went down, not expecting to, too much kind of thing. It was dark when it started. I think I'd been to London once before that, but we got there the night before. Yeah. It was dark, checked into the hotel, left my girlfriend, Charlotte, who's now my wife, went to the start at like half four or five, something daft like that. Obviously, mm-hmm. I'd had a coffee and didn't go to the toilet. So I get to the start line of this race, you obviously need a shit, right? I'll just go to the toilet. Oh, no, there's 99% of the field is men here, and they all need the toilet too, yeah? So (laughs) I thought, right, I'll just nip back to the hotel and go there because it was only over the field. Ran back back to the hotel, did what I need to do. Now I've got about 10 minutes to the start line. Run back over, I need the toilet Mm -hmm. again. So I think, right, okay, I'm just going to do... I'll just do it here. It's pitch black. <laughs> like, I forget that I'm in London. I don't know what park it was, but it wasn't, it was probably <laughs> one of the ma- nice parks. I don't know. And I missed the start. Not only that, then the 150 odd people off the start had to run across that field for the first kilometre. So imagine like a hundred, <laughs> my first ultimate, my first start was me squatting, having a shit in the field with a hundred head torches piling towards me, me having to pull up my shit. And there's no GPX then, so it wasn't, it just joined the joined the mid- back of the queue, desperately pulling my shorts up and and that was it, we were off. <laughs> 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 everything was uphill from that point. Trust me. Everyone says everything's downhill. That everything was uphill from that point.
3: <laughs> it's a beautiful image. I think. Yeah. I think what 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 what's good about like you know you, you don't have to be the perfect athlete to be the best coach. And I think what's good about
2: <laughs> if very much. Fuck... <laughs> no,
3: yeah, go if, if you fucked it up though, you don't want. And you don't want other people to go go through the same experiences, don't you? So you're, you're there. I don't know. I, I quite
5: enjoy it when people say they've had similar ones to that. Cause...
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, I very much enjoyed the story. <laughs> <laughs> if we got you onto the start line of a fell running race, yeah. um, but we've pumped we've fell running up a little bit now. And we've actually got walkout music for the big hitters. And uh Gary house is called out on the p a is there a is there a tune that you're walking down to like w w f style uh is there anything that you come out to put fear into yeah your well, like, i'm your, uh, I'm, a massi-
5: I'm a massive oasis fan i have been i used to go to all the gigs and all that bit night yeah done both Nebworths, all that kind of stuff so so yeah i always i always just pick one of them I'd probably pick
3: champagne supernova yeah, yeah, lovely. Yeah, um, and the other one I like to ask people, and you don't have to have a fell running legend, so it could be just a running legend. But if if there is anyone in fell running who particularly takes your fancy, you're allowed to take them out for dinner, um, and Tonkin. also know what you have to eat. There you go, today. Jacob Tonkin. There you go. <laughs> Brilliant. He does a little feature on my podcast now, where he uh, teaches us how to speak Cumbrian. does so, he? So, um, I'm not right. him then. Not if he's already getting airtime. I will pick someone else. <laughs> Well, <laughs> no, I mean, next, he's a good lad i mean if there's anything you want to learn how to say in cumbrian i'll uh put it towards him before the next episode but if not then um yeah he's been teaching us lord of the rings quotes in cumbrian that's his latest uh, <laughs> little thing <laughs> yeah yeah no i can't think of anything yeah
5: what
3: that i need him to
5: need him to uh
3: Tell me, yeah. <laughs> if you do you can you can obviously message me and what would you guys be having for for food? What's your best uh post run or pre run meal? Uh he has to be a bit careful with his food,
5: doesn't he? I think. But uh I look of... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how much he shares, but yeah, <laughs> pizza for me.
3: Pizza, love it. It's pizza, a classic.
5: Um mainly because i enjoy racing in other countries and everything you can always get pizza can't you so uh, i love pizza yeah. uh pizza before and pizza after actually but sometimes sometimes burger and chips
3: so yeah but can't go wrong with pizza mate solid yeah. love it <laughs> well yeah i think <laughs> if if i can get subscription to that garage gym of yours uh getting part of getting on, on your podcast yeah. that'd be my bet Um, (laughs) but I've I've really enjoyed chatting with you Gary it's it's been really good and um, I I hope you've got something out of it yourself Um, if you've not then yeah I can uh, bill you for the time (laughs) just the PTSD from shitting in that uh, London park that you brought up bringing that one back (laughs) <laughs> and I, I really hope things get better with your back and um, and, and you get back to running all right. At least, you know, first of all, it'd be nice that your are feeling a bit more normal and, and that all goes well for you because uh, that sounds a tough one. And, and I appreciate you coming on chatting about running when you're not running because that's uh, also not the most fun sometimes, is it? No, anytime, mate. Always. Yeah, thanks for that. No worries, mate. I really enjoyed it.
6: Hoof, Stones race report, about 13 days on. On your marks, get set, go. Tarmac, slight incline, fast. Lane, ice, slow. More ice, slow. Through a style trail, snow fastish, up, 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 some ice, some slush, some snow, so I'd say probably slow in parts, slightly fast in other parts, bog, forest, frozen, fast, lane, Cross a main road, no cars, over a stile, fresh, ankle deep snow, so slow. Checkpoint one, windy. Fresh snow, slow, slippy, bog, slow, slippy, bog. Lane for about 30 meters, Ice, shitting my pants because there was another, probably half a mile of lane to come. Left onto the long lane. Beautiful little dusting of snow, no ice. Fast. So fast that I overtook a hundred grand, probably Land Rover Defender, which you'd think that's one of the days you'd really enjoy driving it. But I overtook it into a field fresh snow, slippy, boggy, really slippy, slippy, slippy. All the way down, slip, 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 slip. Through a gate, up, boggy, snowy, slippy. Cross, some people would call it a path, other people would call it a bog with footprints in it. On that for a while, so snow, slow, some frozen bits, so you could skip across with the odd bog here and there. And finally onto a decent, decent trod or trail up to two Stones for about three meters and then absolute freezing cold gale force wind, which meant slow. slow. Slow, 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 slow. Up a bit more, slow. Checkpoint two, no checkpoint, we've already gone through checkpoint two. Checkpoint three, two Hardy Marshals from Todd, freezing but smiling. Touch the trig, compass out. For all those people who know me will know that navigation is definitely not my strong point. Compass, out, head for Wolfstones. set it to 140. Bog, slow. Snow. Wolf stones and then it's 140 as long as you can to a style in the middle of the fence this is the horrendous part of who stones but because it was quite deep in snow and frozen you were able to skip across quite well my compass bearing went well i was about 30 meters to the left of the style uh, over the style follow your nose not too bad actually probably snowy but you know a bit icy underneath so you managed to Clip on a little bit back to checkpoint one, which was checkpoint four, and then it was reverse. But by the time I was going down, it had gone from slippy snow to slush. I was able to get some grip, so it was fast, 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 fast. across the road, fast, through the forest, fast, 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 ice, slush, bog, fast, 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 and then just when you got about 100 metres above where the finish was maybe 50 metres above the finish one it turned to slush and then back to ice and then a sprint finish to the side of a bottle ice path
3: Well that might be the best or the worst race report I've heard Thank you Donny Clark I really enjoyed that and thank you for your Ongoing friendship since that lovely first meeting in Todmorden, where you so kindly took me on a run over your favourite hills. It's been special, like your poetry.
2: Chicken, fowl, oh. ketchup, up and peas. I've packed my lunchbox. What's in yours? Tell me
4: what you like or don't like when you're munching on the moors. Good afternoon, Charles as you can hear we are munching on the moors so it's 1 39 on sunday afternoon i expect you'll have finished the tigger tour you'll have taken first place in the uh totley charles versus bart sure podium i say this because you've been going out doing those easy 60s with uh Rob and Josh. However, I don't think they're that easy. I think there's something misleading in those titles. Anyway, back to the main event, munching on the Mars. Well, I hate to spoil things because I'm not currently munching, but that might be a good thing. But um because of the wind, and today wind chill is a thing, but only when you haven't got a suitable coat on, I'm walking up um a lovely little path just above the... Laid Bow Dam, up towards Bamford Edge. People who run around the Peak District probably know it. It's a beautiful um, path rising through, I'd say, ancient woodland, but um, from what I know from Countryfile, I think they're not ancient because they're oak trees, and they're only about, I don't know, two foot wide, which means they're quite young. Um... I believe and i thought this was a fitting place to do my recording because it was quiet i'm taking a chilled uphill um quite a way into my um easy gun walk i took your advice somewhat ignored it so i've racked up 40k so far i reckon it's at least 10 miles home um probably accumulated more mileage today than i've done all year but i think i'm back on track so yes Not wanting to get diverted, back to munching on the Mars. Well, today was a long day, so I've brought out a full complement of stuff. Homemade flapjack, I have an update on that. Um, Sandwiches, I've had one so far. I was getting into a bit of a head spin on my run and walk. And um, the, again, simple cheese and ham sandwich with mayonnaise rather than butter. We're getting a little butter in the proven household and it was a bit firm, so mayo wins most of the time. Um, update on uh, Aldi bread. No, they do continue to sell a malted bloomer. However, yesterday I went to a large supermarket brand and bought their granary loaf. Now, I would like to um, forewarn listeners that I think the granary loaf has a tendency to go stale a bit faster than um, whole me- regular wholemeal. I guess there's more air channels, a bit like Swiss cheese. So the air's got a faster time to get into all the nooks and crannies and make it stale. So yeah, um, that was a lovely delightful sandwich. Still got another half of that to go. Um, And yeah, I conquered my fears and uh, put the sandwich in a Ziploc bag. Not wholly, overly wrapped. um, No (laughs) lashings of cling film. Just had it in my rucksack while running. My word, what a phenomena. Just walking past a bunch of people probably think i'm a bit weird but there we go um where are we at yeah yeah and the sandwich didn't fall apart indeed so structural integrity is not such a big thing as i had always feared um but another thing i'd like to put in is um substrate a beautiful word for food apparently it has nutritional connotations but i like to think of it as like the concrete mix that you're putting in to keep you going and um I fear it's a substrate that is killing off my um, flapjack experience. So after last week's tobacco, I changed uh, ingredients, quantities. So I did 250 grams of oats with the aim of being 300 grams of substrate with 150 grams of sugar and butter. So basically the same proportions as a recommended recipe. And then I topped up the extra 50 grams of the oats substrate with more substrate, seeds, nuts, um, and yes, seeds, the popping candy of nature. They are brilliant in your flapjack, especially chia seeds. My word, what a lovely little pop you get. They do tend to get stuck between the teeth, which can be annoying, but you get surprised a little chew every now and then. <clears throat> so yeah, substrate, love it, good stuff. Flapjack, a mm, bit better, a bit hard around the edges, crumbly in the middle, but getting there. Oh yeah, and a big dollop of uh, peanut butter, which is completely taken out of account in the proportion. So I think maybe that's where I'm going wrong. Um, I'm not sure if uh, peanut butter uh, adds much. I think it does. Um, maybe a bit of a foundational layer. Oh, look at that. Foundation, substrate, concrete, it's all coming in. Hang on, I'm gonna give these guys some cheer. They're weird. Go on, mate, go on. Mate. Come on, faster than that. oh dear me. Wheeling their bikes down one of the best descents in the peak district. Thank you. You're welcome. Oh oh. Slip it. No such thing yeah, as okay. slipping, just not enough speed. That's, Go on. That's it. Ah. So yeah, they probably think I'm a right in our bed for that. Um so substrate is the magic word. I'm sure there is something else. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So um race predictions from Tigger. Tour. What was it? Uh yeah, I I've done you. And I expect the winner was Ben Sharrock, So um, I saw him on the list as unattached, but we all know who he really runs for, don't we, Ben? Looking forward to seeing you on Wednesday nights. Anyway, um, I think that's it for me. I've hogged an awful lot of time, and I hope I've not been too much uh, blazing on people's ears. So um, doubtless you're enjoying your uh, boat race with... Totley, Dark Peak and Sheffield University Orienteering Club in the uh, Norfolk Arms because I expect that's the sort of guy you are and I look forward to speaking to you later. All the best Charles and listeners Bye
0: Everyone's talking at us I cannot hear a word the same Only echoes of my mind Folks stop and up. I cannot see mush Only shadows of their eyes Tossing it down Gan Charles. It's Gan Alleyonder to find me Salad Barley Lyle Bimkin Spot. Which means I'm going over there to find a nice place to swim So, leg three, Gaz from Dumbbell Raise, Steel Fell, Calf Crag, Sergeant Mann, High Raise, Thunder Cannot, Harrison Sickle, Pike and Stickle. So Thorogood, Harrison, Stickle Piker, Stickle are all above Langdale, 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 dull instead of Dale. Um, you'd work your way then over <clears throat> and round, uh, and then you finish off that leg with going over the scar, the the Scarfells, as I would say. Um, so I'd say Scarfell Pike, and Scarfell. Some people say Scarfell. Um, it is not scaffold. And Scorfell Pike and Scorfell are two separate mountains. So Scorfell Pike is the highest one in the country. Scorfell is second highest. And they're divided by Broadstand, Lord's Rake or Fox's Tarn. So I always put W into it because I'm pretty much taking the W adults all, saying Keswick, and I put it into Scorfell. And then you drop down to Wazdale which i say Wosdal some people say Wasdal um, you know uh, people who are wrong would say might say Wasdale which yeah is like a different place anyway so add the w in my mind to Scarfell or you can say Scarfell, but not Scaffold. and if you say you're going up if someone says to me they're going up Scarfell i expect them to be going up Scarfell and not Scarfell Pike because they're two separate mountains so, you drop down to Wasdall, come out up Ewbarrow, which is a bugger, work your way up to Steeper Pillar, um, Kirk Fell, Great Gable, Green Gable, Brandreth, Grey Knots, Honister, they're all pretty much the same. Honister's the pass coming out of Borodal, which would say Borodal and not Borodale. And then you work your way up Dale Head, up onto Hindscarth, which I'd say it like that, not Hinscarth or Hinscraff. As I've heard some people say And then on to Robinson And then that drops you down to Newlands um, You come little town Through Portingscale uh, Port scale is Very close to a, a loud town Called Braithut Which we don't really say Thwaite We just say, say Thut So it's n- not really like Braithwaite, you'd say Braithut Braithwaite Braithut And then you come back to Keswick Keswick, not Keswick So that is pretty much all the annoying places that people might get slightly wrong on the Bob Graham round And if anyone disagrees with that, I am right <laughs> Because I live here So I do enjoy it when people do get it right And it does wind me up when people don't For some reason, maybe I'm just a bit of a entitled Cumbrian wanker Who knows? The other one of note, which has nothing to do with Bob Graham at all, but it's, uh, it's still in Cumbria is if you go out the front side of, uh, of Bassenthwaite, round side of um, Skidder, you'll come eventually to a loud town called Bothell. If you turn right, as if you go into towards Carlisle, which I don't say... Well, we don't really say Carlisle, we say Carlisle um, you come to a town called Trepenna, which on the map is written down Tor Pen, but you say Trepenna uh, and it means three hills so tor is another word for hill pen another word for hill how another word for hill Top and how but we say trepenna couldn't tell you why but it's a way where you can sort the wheat from the chaff who's actually Cumbria and who isn't I would have to kill someone if they said Keswick in front of me that being said I did it once hear an American person call Ambleside Amblessidae and now I Only ever refer to Ampleside as I'm Blessed Day, and I can't stop.
2: That was the podcast we talked about running, we talked about other things too. Thank you for joining, we hope you enjoyed it. That was on the back foot. Living strange, where were you while we were getting high? Slowly walking down the hall, faster than a cannonball. Where were you while we were getting high? Someday you will find me caught beneath the landslide in a champagne supernova in the sky. Someday you will find me, company the landslide in a champagne supernova, a champagne supernova in the sky. Wake up the dawn and ask her why. Dream of dreams, you'll never die Wipe that tear away out from your eyes Slowly walking down the hall Faster than a cannonball Where were you while we were getting high? And someday you will find me Caught beneath the landslide Champagne supernova in the sky Someday you will find me Caught beneath the landslide In a champagne supernova A champagne supernova in the sky Cause people believe They're gonna get away for the summer We'll live and die The world's still spinning round We don't know why 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 Take the How many people change How many lives are living strange Where were you while we were getting high? Slowly walking down the hall, faster than a cannonball. Where were you while we were getting high? Someday you will find me caught beneath the landslide. In a champagne supernova in the sky. Someday you will find me caught beneath the landslide in a champagne supernova, a champagne supernova in the sky.
3: Thank you to Gary House for coming on and sharing his time. Thank you. And content oh dear. and um, thank you for continuing to listen to on the back foot. So it's always a pleasure to
2: have you along. Because people believe they're gonna get away for the summer. You and I, will live and die. The world's still spinning around, we don't know why. <laughs>